Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. I want to just get to the word here this morning. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, if you would turn there with me. Do I, do I control my PowerPoint from here? You want me to do it? Do you guys want to do it? They want to do it? That's awesome. Joshua chapter 1, verse uh, 9, if you would go there with me. Or is that what I gave you? Verse 7. I like what I gave you better. Verse 7, all right. Uh, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Let's go right to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before the crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out. Somebody say move out. Move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind. Say half a mile. Half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, and make sure you don't come any closer. I want you to see. He said, leave the place that you're at, but make sure that you're distanced appropriately to the presence of God. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today it will begin to I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I'm with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. Can I get an amen here today? Amen. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Canaanites the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Mosquitoes ahead of you. Verse 11, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each of the tribes. Verse 13, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests were carrying the ark of the covenant ahead of them. It was harvest season, and the Lord was overflowing, the, and the Jordan was overflowing the banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water, river's edge, the water had above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. The water below the point flowed into the Dead Sea until the river bread was dry, and then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Verse 17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I want to continue in your series that you are in on ready for next. How many are ready for next? 
How many of you know what's going to happen next? (laughs) Guess what? The Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen next, and he's going before you. Anybody glad for that today? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. I believe that it's doing something in this church's life. And I pray that as we, in, as we take part of the, this powerful story of faith, that we'll learn to follow your spirit into what's next, greater than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, everyone said. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I know that's some reading, but you know, there's always somebody in church that hasn't read portions of the Bible. So I like for people to know what referring to. When I was in junior high school, my favorite part of the year, well, next to recess, was the science fair. It was something that actually I could take what I had learned and do something with it. And so my fifth grade year, uh, I I did, uh, my project was the hot air balloon. I took a little Bunsen burner and I had a, a balloon made out of tissue and I set the table on fire. Uh, and then my, my sixth grade year, I did blood. I just thought, I have an opportunity to make people bleed. I'm getting prepared for ministry. So uh, I did blood the next year. The next year, I, I did electricity. And, and what's the name of that machine? It's got like a gold ball, a silver ball on the top, silver on the It's got a belt that runs. Van de Graaff machine? Van de Graaff machine. I did. So I had learned how electricity travels. So I found somebody about eight seats down that I didn't like in the seventh grade. And so I I convinced everybody to just hold hands. And at the right moment, I'd grab the Van de Graaff machine. And I'm telling you, we lit that guy up at the end of the row over and over and over and over again. I hope he's saved. But my last year, I took on aerodynamics. My dad had flown radio controlled airplanes all of my childhood. And I liked the thought of building a wing and making it fly. And so Uh, just so that you might appreciate the message, this message is 30 years in the making. 40 years in the making. (laughs) You're a discerning crowd. All right, nobody's going to lie here. 40 years in the making. And I had to teach everybody who came by my homemade wing with a fan, and I made that, that wing fly. I had to teach, number one, on the law of gravity. You know what the law of gravity is, right? Some of you are getting older. You really know what the law of gravity is. But it's that power, it's a law, and we are all vulnerable to it. We're all responding to the law of gravity. It is that law that is pinning you and I to the planet. It's a powerful force. If I could break, I think the bass player was breaking the law of gravity today when he was playing the bass today. I expected him to just go up a little higher. But you know what, you know he would have, but the law of gravity was holding my brother down. But then I began to teach that there's a law that is stronger than the law of gravity. There's a law called the law of aerodynamics. That if we can get this plane that was built to fly to go at a certain rate of speed, that the law of gravity would give way to a law that's stronger the law of aerodynamics. You see, that plane was built to fly. Everything about it, the the wings, the fuselage, the elevator, the rudder, where the engine is positioned, everything in that plane, in the mind of the maker, was put together so that that thing could break the law of gravity and soar. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8 that there's a law of sin and death. 
It came into humanity's existence when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And at that moment, God said, everything that you do is going to have a law of decrease in it. You'll sweat. You'll, you'll have painful childbirth. There'll be arguments between husbands and wives. It's just going to be nothing like Eden. But the Bible says that when Jesus Christ came, he came to break the law of sin and death and to install for you and I the law of the life of the Spirit of God. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, before we're done, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ at the end of this message. I'm going to invite you to pray and accept the life of Jesus Christ to come in and break the curse of decrease off of your life of sin and death and fill you with the Spirit of God on Pentecost Sunday to let you know that God didn't save you to taxi, God saved you to soar. Come on, can I get a better amen on Pentecost Sunday? All right, help help a young preacher out, would you? If you look into the scripture and you look at what Joshua has to do, if you read through the book, you're going to see that This book is filled with instructions. If you ever learn to fly a plane, you'll have an instructor. And there are several instructions. And one of the instructions that God gives Joshua to give to the people so that they can successfully fly into what's next is how to handle the presence of God. He says, I want you to take uh, the tabernacle. Are these seats connected? Can they disconnect? Micah, you want to disconnect one of those seats? Learn in front of all these people you don't know. Oh, he's quick. Come on, give him a hand. Preacher's kids are smarter than you think. All right. They had this Ark of the Covenant. It was the most precious piece of furniture in the tabernacle. And within that Ark was the commandments. It was a code of conduct. If you read through all of Leviticus especially, you'll find out that God was giving Israel a a lifestyle that would bring victory and not defeat, contrary to what the people that lived in Canaan lived with. Within that was a pot of manna that would remind the people that God is a provider. You know, many people in addiction today are in addiction because they're trying to find provision in the world. I'm going to tell you, God knows how to provide for his people. In that Ark of the Covenant was a, a stick that had budded. It was, it's a message of its own to remind the people that God is a God of authority and he establishes authority. And if you'll submit to the authority God gives you, you can be fruitful in any season that God gives you. These are all things that the Israelites would remember when they looked at the ark. But there's three things that I want to just point to as, as, as we learn how to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit because there are things in your necks that you've never experienced before But I'm telling you, even though you've never gone to this next ever before, the Holy Spirit has already gone there. Number one, it's the place of meeting. It's the place, let's go back one, it's the place of meeting. You see, in Numbers chapter 17, God had taught Moses how to spend time in the presence of God. He taught him that whenever you come to the ark, this is a meeting between you and God. How many of you like meetings? Like a punch in the head, I like meetings. But this is not some dry meeting that you get nothing done with. This is a meeting in number 17 where God says, you can have an encounter with me. 
I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, they treat God like a subject. I'm telling you, God is not a subject. God is a person. In fact, as we worshiped him today, you were pointing your attention not to an idol. You're pointing your attention to a living, breathing God. How many have ever prayed and had an encounter with the power of this living, breathing God today? But you're not in a, you're not in a typical church. There are so many churches, they treat God like a subject. They treat God like he's just some sideshow. But I'm telling you, I have had encounters with the same God who made the sun, the moon, and the stars has been the same God I've met in the valley and on the mountaintop. And this God that we have meetings with, we have to understand that if we're going to encounter the progressive moving power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can't expect Pastor Gary to be the only one that has an experience. We need board members. We need kids church teachers. We need everybody in this place to say, I have had a personal experience with the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, miracles are birthed out of meetings. Ministry is birthed out of a meeting. Instructions are birthed out of a meeting. Yes, we need teachers. Yes, we need preachers. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ has given you and I an invitation to boldly approach the presence of God ourselves. You don't need a bachelor's degree. You don't need to do 20 years to life in church. You just need to have a relationship with Christ. And daily, you can talk to the master in the name of Jesus. You come to him and say, Lord, here's my life. I need a meeting with you today. Can I just kind of share it with you as the Spirit of God put it in my heart the other day for you? If you will meet with God, God will meet with your trouble. If you will meet with God, God will meet with your enemy. Hallelujah. I almost said I'd buy the tape, but we don't do that anymore. Anyway, if you will meet with God... God will meet with your dilemma. Can I get an amen here this morning? If you meet with God, God will meet with your troubled mind. If you will meet with God, God will meet with your tormented family. If you will meet with God, God will meet with your marriage. If you will meet with God, God will meet with your children. If you meet with God, God will meet with your calling. If you meet with God, God will meet with your business. In the, in the tabernacle, it was an instrument for worship. But when it left the tabernacle, it became a weapon for the armies of God to move in on behalf of the people of God and to victoriously go into what is next. You know why some of you are weary, wore out, beat down? I'll tell you why. Because you're trying to go out and engage the enemy on yourself. When I got good news, when you learn how to develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can walk into a battle that God already took care of. I, I, I don't know if it's been this way for you, Pastor Gary, but I've had situations in the church where I thought, what am I going to do with this? But after I had a meeting with the Holy Spirit, by the time I got into the meeting with the people, the Holy Spirit had already done the work. If you need a job, have a meeting with the Holy Spirit. He'll go to the interview before you get there. Okay, if you need a spouse, (laughs) you know what? You want the Holy Ghost to go before you. Can I get a better amen here this morning? Can I get the, the married people? How about a better amen from you? You need a meeting place. Number two, turn to your neighbor and say this, on light of what I just said, we need to break up. 
we need to break up. I just gave all the counselors a lot more work in the church this week right here. If you're going to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit that goes before you, goes before this church, goes before the West Side Church, then I'm just telling you today, you have to be willing to break up with your past. God says to Joshua, tell the people, you may be comfortable in the wilderness, but to go to what's next, you have to be willing to leave your comfort zone. See, this is the the difficult thing. Maybe you're new to this text, but the people of Israel were once slaves in Egypt. God freed them by miracle power, and they got to the wilderness. But here's the thing about the wilderness. You can't survive there. You're going to have to make a decision. Watch this. You are either going to go back to Egypt, or you're going to go into what God has for you next. But there's no option to stay where you're at. May I speak to you? And, And I... I believe as the unction of the Holy Spirit, Tower Hill, and multiple churches through this COVID whatever, are at the point where we're going to have to decide, are we going back to church as usual, or are we going forward? Pastor, there are, and church family, you know people that are not here today, and it's, and you're concerned for them. Because you know that they're at that moment of decision. I hear people say, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I'm praying things never get back to normal. I'm praying that this building is not big enough to hold all the people. Normal is going back to what was. But what the Holy Spirit wants you to do is say, I'm willing to leave what is not working so that I can go forward into what God has provided for me. How many of you have ever flown into the Bangor International Airport? (laughs) Nobody has flown into the Bangor International Airport. The Bangor International Airport has two gates. Much like the Manchester Airport. No. Has two gates. Has two gates. Sometimes I'll have ministers come and and they'll ask me about the airport. and, and, And I'll tell them. If you're at the wrong gate. And you have a sprained ankle. It will take you 30 seconds to get to the right gate. (laughs) But when you're in the terminal and they say, it's time for you to leave your seat at gate whatever at the Manchester airport to fly to wherever. If you sit in your seat and you hear the voice say, it's time for you to go and you stay. It doesn't matter what excuses you have. The plane is leaving without you. I need you to hear this. The Spirit of God is preparing the planet for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I declare to you today, if you choose to stay, it will be your demise. But if you choose to go, you say, I've got something to go forward to. I'm telling you, I hear the gate of heaven calling out saying, it's time for Tower Hill to soar into what is next. Give him praise. Lastly, my final place, you got to have a meeting with God. You need to break up with the past. And thirdly, you need to honor the grace space. Look what, look what God told Jacob to say to the people, Joshua to say to the people. Stay half a mile away from it. Watch. He's saying, don't get too close, but don't get too far. 
Don't get too close, but don't get too far. This is my concern by the, by the Spirit of God for the American church. I'm not really... <laughs> I don't believe that who's in the White House determines what the church can do. Amen. Amen. No, I, I just don't. If you're a Republican, a Democrat, Tea Party, Pool Party, I don't care what you are. We are the church is not built on, on, the, on Pennsylvania Avenue. The church is built on the person and the power of Jesus Christ and his authority. Come on, aren't you glad? The hope of America is here, not on Pennsylvania Avenue. Watch this. My concern is not what's going on in a godless culture. What happens next in America, I believe, is all connected to this. Are we too familiar with the presence of God? He says, stay, stay half a mile back. Don't you treat that thing like it's casual. And one of the greatest grievances of the Holy Spirit in the American church today is that we have become way too casual with God's stuff. And I'm not talking about your suit or your dress. I'm talking about your heart condition. How do you treat his word? How do you treat his, how can you get on social media and slam the people that the blood of Christ has forgiven? Who do you think you are? You know why we have so much division in the church? Because people dishonor the family of God. How can you expect God's blessing on your life if you don't support the man and woman that God has placed in this place as your leadership? Hello? How can you just flippantly walk into church unprayed up, unprepared, unwilling to participate? You have dishonored the presence of God. I'm telling you, 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 you do, we have to, do we have to have a total persecution of the American church? Have we not been through enough to come to the realization that what we have this morning is special? If we don't begin to wake up and realize how sacred our gathering is together with his people and in his presence, we will have missed the move of God that he wanted to come out of this season for America. We've got to become more. This is not a performance. Thank God for worship leaders. And I thank God for lights and video. And I think we've got all that too. But I'm going to tell you that Sunday morning is not Christian entertainment. Sunday morning is where we have an encounter with God. And we leave the past behind. And we say we are standing on holy ground. The Bible says that King David at one time had a tremendous reverence for the presence of God, but he became too familiar with it. Just church as usual. In fact, he went and put the ark in a shed and did nothing to protect it. I mean, if you've got a nice Toro lawn, push lawn mower, you would at least put a lock on the shed to protect your push lawn mower. David didn't even have the decency to protect the presence of God. And so an enemy came in and they stole the ark. David said, that's not good. So he gets the ark back and watch what he does. The Bible says in Leviticus that the ark was to be carried on the shoulders of four priests. 
What's he do? He just takes it and puts it on an old used trailer on the back of his four-wheeler. I thought that's funnier than you did. And he just drives off. He just drives off. Look, there's the, there's the ark just on an old trailer. Take trash to the dump. Now put the ark on it. Let's go. And when the ark begins to move, Uzzah did something the Bible commanded not to do. The Bible said never touch it. But when the ark began to shake, Uzzah went up and felt like he needed to manage the move of God. And he died instantly. Why, why don't we expect that to happen? When the king doesn't honor the presence, why would his employees? When parents don't honor God's presence, why do you expect your children to? Hello? Pastor Gary will be back next week. Hang in there. <laughs> if the church doesn't honor the presence of God, why do we think the nation will? Hello? So David gets mad because his employee of the month, Uzzah, dies. And so he says, let's just get this thing out of sight. I'm sick of it. This has become an inconvenience to my lifestyle. Let's go put it in Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom was not a Gentile, but since David was a racist and he hated somebody that wasn't of his race, he said, let's put that in his house and let it destroy a foreigner. Michael, you want to get me another chair? Amen. You're going to be out of chairs by the time I'm preaching this message this morning. And Josephus, a contemporary historian of the time of Christ, tells, where's the piano player? Or any piano player? Well, not any piano player, but do we have a piano player? Where are you? All right, come on, man. You look like Jesus. Help me now. <laughs> man, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like we're spot on today. And the Bible says that Obed-Edom, Obed, <laughs> everybody's my friend. No, I want you to play the piano. Oh. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not as clear as I ought to be. Yeah, appreciate your participation. Um, and the Bible says that Obed-Edom at night would wake up and he would hear, he would hear the music. Whatever you think they play for music around the ark. It's got to be Gaither, right? Doesn't it have to be Gaither? No, I'm just kidding. It's beautiful. The Bible says that as he's sitting there at night, he hears this music and he comes out and night after night he would sit and he would just stare at that ark as music would come out of that. And he would hear God speak to him. It touched him. Night after night, he would just wake up in the night. How many have ever been woken by God in the night so that God could kind of speak to you? I'm telling you, there's nothing like it in the world. He sits there night after night, a, gen a Gentile, an idol worshiper, and somebody you would never expect God to move in their life. Sometimes that's just the person that God wants to move in. He gets up one morning and he, and he, and he hears his wife say, uh, Obi, come out here. He comes out and she says, to the comes out to the garden, I don't know what's going on. Look at these tomatoes. Have you ever seen larger, sweeter, redder tomatoes? 
starts taking them row by. Look at these pumpkins. They're huge. Look at these watermelons. They're unbelievable. Obed-Edom says, what's that row of dead vegetables? Oh, those are peas. God doesn't bless peas. <laughs> he has his limits, you know. That's my version of the scripture. <laughs> That's my version. Mrs. Obed-Edom looks at Obed and says, Obed, look at you. What? You've lost your dad bod. You, he pulls up her shirt. He's got a six pack. He's like, what's happening? He looks at her and after eight kids, everything's gone back into place. Even the cat starts to be nice. <laughs> Everything begins to change. You know why? When one person knew that they didn't deserve to be in the presence, treated God's presence with respect, God's presence began to bless everything that that house was connected to. I wonder if Obed's neighbors asked him, Obed, I see things are getting better in your life. What happened? I, he said, a foreign king brought this box to my house and I hear God's voice and I spend time in his presence. And they said, how did you find that? Lean in and listen to this and I'm done. How did you find that? And I imagine Obed-Edom say, I don't know. He found me. He found me. The least likely to be blessed. God found him. In one of the least likely regions in the United States, wouldn't it be beautiful if God poured out an awakening in northern New England? He found me. Some of you have been through abuse. Some of you have been through pain. Some of you have been through rejection. Some of you have been through layoffs. Some of you have been through sickness. And you're here today. And, and you're like, I don't think I qualify. No, you have no idea. Jesus Christ qualifies the unqualified. And sometimes it's the church people are the ones who get it last. It doesn't have to be that way. But I'm just telling you. If you will just honor the fact that there is a grace space, I don't, look at me, I don't deserve to be on this stage. I'm only higher than you because there are steps here. But I do know this, that if by the blood of Christ you will come into the family of God, God will give you things you never deserve to have on, you can have a healthy home, you can have a healthy marriage, come on, you can have a healthy future, you deserve it because the house of God has become your house. There's some men here today, you've done some things and the past torments you and the enemy wants to condemn you. I t tell you today, the blood of Jesus can wash all that free. And if God can bless Obi's house, he can bless your house. It may not all happen in one night, but over a period of time, the blessing of God happened in the house of a man who just honored what God was doing so much that King David said, okay, I get it. 
I'm going to come back. And, and, I, and I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to some people today, you've lost your fire. You once had a burning power and you used to have a, a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. But just for a series of reasons, you've lost the fire. How many know today God's the God of another chance? And if you lost the fire, how many would like for God to set a fire in your soul one more time like never before, like never before? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I told you at the beginning of the message that I'd give an invitation. I wonder who's here today that doesn't have a relationship with Christ or you need to renew it. It's as simple as ABC. One, admit I'm far from God. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And C, commit to follow his path for you. If that's you and I count to three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up. Just be bold. Say, I'm going to make a decision because I'm ready for what God has next for me. And I know it won't happen until I get this relationship with God. Things have got to be right between us. The count of three. One, two, three. Shoot that hand up as high as you can. Yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Anybody in the balcony? God bless you. God bless you. You can look this way. Would you just do this with me? And I, need, I want to be very careful of the time. Would you stand together with me? Nobody leaving, if you would, to make room for people to come forward. If you would stand together with me. I'm going to ask every one of you who raised your hand, watch this. This is a beautiful place called the altar. This is where people get married. This is where babies get dedicated. And this is a wonderful place for people to come to Christ. If you raised your hand, would you come to the nearest aisle and make your way to this altar and just stand across this altar and we're going to pray together. We're just going to pray this prayer together. Would you come? Move to the nearest aisle. Don't be afraid. Don't Come on. Come on. If you're in the balcony, we, we got time. We'll wait for you. Let's rejoice, church, for these. Bless you, son. Bless you, boys. You're good, man. Oh, you're good. That's awesome. What's your name? Christian, what's your name? Simeon. Simeon. Christian and Simeon. You guys are halfway there. Hey, brother. God bless you, my friend. I want to ask a couple of people to just come pray with these, if you would stand with these three men. I love it, leading men to God. I love leading young men to God too. Just pray this prayer with me right out loud. We do it family style where I'm at, so let's try it together. Are you ready? All together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for coming to me today. I haven't really been looking for you, but I found out today you've been looking for me. Please forgive me for all my sins. I believe when you died on that cross, you had me in mind. So come into my life. Give me a new start, a fresh beginning. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. I'm so excited about what's next. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout a good and strong amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. May, may I say this to you? I know I'm a guest here, but if you did raise your hand, I'm asking you, please, would you see one of the pastors? Would you see one of the leaders? And I, I know that they would be a great help to you. This is a, let, help, me, help me with this. This is a great church. <laughs> I mean, this is, a, even if we have to say ourselves. Can I pray for your house? Can I pray for your house? Would you lift your hands together with me right now? Lord, I pray the blessing of heaven upon every home. This is how I feel led to conclude today. God, I thank you for this church house. 
I thank you things are in order. The right people are in the right place. Now, God, I pray that you'll take the families that are connected to this house. And, Lord, let the glory of this house become the glory of their house. Combat every attack that's on their life. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that goes before us, that handles the fight. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I say to you today by the Spirit of God, trust Him. Trust that He that builds according to the blueprint of God will never labor in vain. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, stay encouraged. Keep your eyes going forward. I hear the Spirit of God saying, He will not be doing anything about your past, but everything He's doing is concerning your future. So lift up your heads, O ye gates, and rejoice, for the King of glory is leading you into what He has next for you. Come on, let's lift our hands and begin to thank God for the, for the moving power of the Spirit of God ahead of this church and ahead of your home. Come on, begin to give him praise right out loud. Begin to praise him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for victory, for joy. You'll make a way where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TowerHillNH. To give online, you can go to th.church/giving. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.